Rush Hudson Limbaugh has passed away at the age of 70. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. It is an absolute pleasure to be with you even in the bad times. Now, people are going to ask the question of the conversation of influence. Rush Limbaugh and the Republican Party? 30 years of influence, does any of it compare to the last four of President Donald Trump? President Trump was on Fox News earlier talking about Rush, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that as soon as we can. But there is a conversation about the very idea of impact and what it means and why it matters, because I have heard some very, very strange things over the years about how what Rush Limbaugh did was was dumbed-down conservatism. Well, considering I'm in the, the world of talk radio, I, I, I don't think I'm in the dumbing-down business. I don't think that when we talk about Bastiat or Locke or Burke or the fundamentals that we're in the dumbing-down business. Oh, sure, some people will say. Some people always say. You want to see what some people say? Take a look at social media right now. Wait, don't do that, whatever you do. Madness is afoot. People reveling. And as I said on Newsmax just less than an hour ago, when you see someone cheering the death of somebody else, they're exposing who they are. And you can hear Rush almost saying it with the chuckle. I, I will admit to you in full disclosure, and I want to hear your thoughts. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Twitter, Tony Katz, Parlor Tony Katz. You can email me, Tony, at TonyKatz.com. Feel free. I was not an avid listener. The fact that I have listened different than was I an everyday guy? The answer is no. I was never, never an everyday listener. But you need to understand what happened in those early days in the 80s and the 90s when the people listening would gather in what we called the, the, the rush rooms because there was no chat room. <laughs> There was no internet chat room. There was no way uh, to get everybody together, you know, in, in, in that way and share in that way. So they got together in their local neighborhoods. And actually, a, 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 kind of, a kind of thesis that we should, we should bring back. Because when you take a look at the, the horrors of social media, like, how is that not something that you, you would want to gather with some good, decent people, uh, you know? Kick back and hang around. Or hang out. Kick back with people you want to be around. But I wasn't uh, an everyday listener. I just wasn't. Even today, I'm not a listener uh, 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 of, of talk radio or, or of podcasts. And, and the reason that I'm not is that I don't want anybody else's idea in my head. The only time I'm listening is when there's a specific subject that I want to be able to get more um, in, 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 in touch with. Right? 
But I don't want anybody else's theory in my brain. I don't want anybody else's catchphrase in my head. I, because the last thing I ever wanted to do in my entire career is accidentally steal from somebody else. You heard something and then, all right, you heard it. And then two months later, you start, you know, it's all of a sudden there. Oh, man, I never wanted that. And so maybe I missed out on some great stuff. Maybe I did. Maybe I missed out on, 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 on some great things. Odds are you didn't. And I say that as a guy who, well, went head to head in the same time slot. And for a long time in, the, in, the, in that first hour. And good. Because when you go up against the very best, you work at being pretty good. Because you got a lot of competition against you there and trying to uh, get people to listen into what you're saying. But even when I wasn't, even when I was only doing uh, morning uh, radio, I mean, that was still the... That was still the place, the bar, that you were going for. And let no radio host kid you. Everyone would be lying up there, you know what. It was the bar. That's the bar. The number of stations and the, and, and, and the, the, the persistent manner. It's one thing to do radio. It's another thing to do it at a level where every day you're coming up with something where people go, holy damn, how'd you think of that? Right? Like, that's what made it so freaking magical. Even on the stuff where you're like, hmm, I don't know if I agree. It's possible there was something you didn't agree with, right? Just the presentational style was out of control. You know, he was, he was a top 40 guy. Right? He has, he has a music background. And I got to tell you, I, I do at, at sometimes, you know, if I had had that radio background, would it have been... Um, would it have, would it have been helpful in 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 a, in a way, just to have a better uh, understanding of uh, of 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 radio and and kind of how that works and flows? Remember, I came into it saying, "Hey, I want to do radio. What's your training?" <laughs> uh, I listened to Rush, <laughs> and I I should tell the story. Okay, so here's the story of how bad of a radio host I was at the beginning. And while I may have listened at times to Rush, I clearly wasn't listening. Because like so many people who got into radio, internet radio, things like that, 2008, 2009, a lot of people were yelling and screaming. They thought talk radio was being, you know, loud and, and red meat. And I was doing that. And I am not good at that. I, I'm not, I, I want to break it down. I want to have a little bit of joy with it. I'm not the, the, the red meat slinger. I, I, think you, I think you've noticed that already. That's not, what, that's not what I'm about. I can do it. There are times where I can certainly do it, but it's not, it's not when I'm, I'm at my best, I think. It's not when I think I'm, I'm offering something different. And I still have some of those original tapes. I have some of that original audio. And I go back and I listen. And I'm like, this is absolutely, positively unlistenable. This is awful. I sucked. 
same subject matter. I sucked. And the difference was the presentation. The difference was how you relay the subject. Didn't anyone not notice that Rush Limbaugh was happy? He was happy. That whole concept of happy warrior. And me, I said, listen, I'm, I, I'm not Rush. I'm not trying to be Rush. You cannot replace what you cannot replace. And oh, somewhere out there, there's a damn fool who's like, I'm going to be the next Rush Limbaugh. Oh, holy heck. Be warned, that person is out there. I knew I was cultural. I knew that I liked uh, to engage uh, in, 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 that, in that level of sense of humor uh, and let uh, some commonalities between us kind of, kind of share, bringing like, those audio memes to, to, to the show. I knew I wanted to have more uh, history and more philosophy and, 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 and these things that well, weren't about Rush were about me. When I finally did actually not just listen, but did some listening, what I asked myself is, is that what is the show that I want to do? That's the show he's doing. What is the show that I want to do? And proceeded to build this to get better at what it is uh, that I do. So if there's a, a connection, a connectivity, a, uh, a, 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 a way that um, Limbaugh's work inspired my work, it is uh, twofold. First, I don't have a career without him. No one, ha- no one in talk radio has a career without him. And secondly, I wasn't listening to what he was saying. I was rather listening to how he said it. And when you realize that you didn't have to be angry, my gosh, what a f- how freeing. And I, it's funny, uh, I had also noticed that in my, in my personal life. The minute I was honest with myself, the minute I I was clear with myself, everything got better. Things got much more enjoyable. Even the heavy subjects you could have in a better way. For sure. Absolutely for sure. A lot of people have stories much different than mine. Nick Searcy is one of those people uh, from Justified on FX, the actor, the writer, the producer, the director, who also filled in for Rush. And he's with us next. I'm Tony Katz. So it's kind of weird to do a show on a day like today when, well, the focus is the death of Rush Limbaugh at the age of 70. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. But it would be foolhardy to think that it's not there. It'd be foolhardy to think that anybody in our position could just, you know, go on to other subjects. There are uh, uh, other subjects. But to to share in a life and an opportunity that brought people like me opportunities, not something I think that I should just simply walk away from. And I'm glad you're here with me. Nick Searcy is the director, the producer, the star of America, America, God Shed His Grace on the documentary. You have to see ShedHisGrace.com. You know him from Justified on FX. Every movie you ever loved, he is in the actor, the director, award-winning actor, director, and producer, and also one of the very few people who could say I filled in for Rush Limbaugh. Nick Cersei joins us now. He's down in Nashville uh, this week. Uh, and, And Nick, let's just start with the basics. Your thoughts? Well, I'm just, um, I'm devastated today. Um, 
as I'm sure a lot of people are, but you know, one of the, one of the strange things that happened to me this morning is that I woke up very early and I couldn't go back to sleep. And since I'm in Nashville, I'm away from my home computer. And for some reason, I knew that I had written something about Rush on that computer. And I called my son and woke him up and said, you've got to um, email me that column that I started about Rush so I can finish it. And that was before I got the news. Um, it was just, um, and it's just, uh, it's a very strange uh, thing, but it, it, you know, I think a lot of us who have loved Rush and listened to him for all these years, we have a connection to him that is more than just a guy on the radio. It, um, after all these years, I think it's a real personal and spiritual connection. And I think that's what was happening to me this morning. Um, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that are, that are having similar things happen to them because he was just such a, uh, a titanic figure in our lives and, and really like part of our family. And, and I'm sure for you, Tony, it's, um, he created the world that, that we live in now in terms of the radio. You know, I mean, it's like before Rush, there was nobody like him. And and now there's you and there's there's Dana Lesh and there's a lot of people who are are carrying on his tradition, Jesse Kelly, a lot of people that, that are doing what Rush did. But none of us could have done any of it if not for him. Oh, it, it, undoubtedly true. As I've been saying, I don't have a career without him. Talking to Nick Searcy, actor, director, producer, America, America, God Shed His Grace on Thee, a documentary you must check out, shedhisgrace.com. But you got to do the thing I never did. You filled in <laughs> for the man. So how, how does a lowly actor uh, like yourself uh, end up three hours behind the golden microphone? I don't know. I think it was like a joke that they played on me or something. <laughs> but, but Rush was a fan of Justified, and, and the show that I did. And then one day, out of the blue, my phone blew, blew up, and I hadn't turned on Rush that morning, but he opened his show saying that he loved Justified, and he was glad to see me back on the show. And he mentioned me by name. And everybody's like going, oh, my God, Rush talked about you on the air. <laughs> and so I, at that point, I was friends with David Limbaugh, his brother. And so I wrote David and I said, you know, do you think Rush would like to talk about Justified on the air? And it all happened from there pretty much. I mean, two days later, I did like I got interviewed by Rush on his show about Justified. And I, I joked for years that I was on Rush's show longer than Dick Cheney was. And, uh, <laughs> but it all kind of grew from there. I mean, I, you know, I, I, after that, we were friends. When he came to speak to the uh, Hollywood conservative group, I introduced him. And just as a joke one day, I was I became friends with Bo Snurdly. And I said, you know, you ought to let me guest host sometime. And, and <laughs> they, they took it seriously. <laughs> so they they did it. They pulled it off one time. They, uh, they flew me in from... Uh, California to New York, and I sat in in New York for the, I mean, it was surreal. It was just like a dream come true, and they never asked me to do it again, so they must not have liked it too much, but <laughs> at least I got to do it once, and it's really, of, of all the things that have ever happened to me, that is the greatest honor.
That is the greatest thing that I've ever been asked. You've won to a do. lot of and awards, Nick. You've done a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're in Oscar-winning films, but but it's filling in for Rush. Yeah, it's it really. I mean, because really, it's like I, I jokingly I said on the air that day, I'm the biggest Hollywood star that has ever filled in for Rush Limbaugh, and and it's but it's true. I mean, for somebody like me to come from the world that I come from. I mean, I'm not a radio guy, I'm not a journalist, I'm not a news guy, but for something like that to happen to me was really, it's just a, a great honor and, 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 and just one of the most fabulous things <laughs> that I ever did. I mean, it was really, it was so much fun. I'll never forget it. Well, you talk about uh, introducing him in California. I was at that event in, in, <laughs> in California. Uh, yeah. There at the, at the Reagan Library. I, I uh, that's funny that uh, you know because I mean we knew each other at the time, but I I didn't I didn't dawn on me that you had done that introduction. It was the same event, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it's the one because that event happened right after he interviewed me, and I remember my daughter taking took a tape, took the the audio tape of his interview with me, and just edited together every time Rush said my name. <laughs> and I just played that for everybody. Go, this is Rush talking about me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Rush is, I, I just can't, uh, I can't put into words how much Rush has influenced me, my sense of humor, you know, his, his courage, his fearlessness. He, he, he was the one who showed us that we didn't have to be intimidated by these hateful leftists who, you know, wanted to call us names and shut us up. He, he, he was the one standing there every day on the radio, laughing at them and making us laugh at them. And it, it's, it's irreplaceable. Nick Searcy is his name. Check out the film at shedhisgrace.com. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, man, even on days like this. Nick, I appreciate you taking the time. There is more to get to. Rush Limbaugh, gone at the age of 70. This is Tony Katz today. You have, um, over the years, over your career, you've already spent a great deal of time at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, except now you're living there and you're president. It's been four weeks. What's it like? How's it different? I get up in the morning, look at Joe and say, where the hell are we? Uh, No, it's, um, look. That is not the line Joe Biden wants to be using. I get up every morning, look around, look at Jill and say, where the hell are we? Well, isn't that exactly what America thought of you, President Biden? Not knowing where you are. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, you got Tony. 833-468-8669. Joe Biden did this town hall on CNN yesterday, and there's a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack from what he said. And things to, without question, worry about, like, well, this. The uh, the other part portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination. If you're black or Hispanic, you don't know how to use the Internet, so you don't know how to get a vaccine. You see, you're just dumb. And thank goodness you've got white liberals to take care of you. 
Now, if you think that this is me engaging in a bit of hyperbole, have you ever taken a look at the signs at a Home Depot in California? If you live in Southern California, I used to live in Southern California, used to live in Los Angeles, a lot of languages get spoken. There's a lot of Spanish. There's also a lot of Chinese. There's a lot of Vietnamese. There's Tagalog. There's Farsi. You hear a lot of things in Southern California. But when you walk into a Home Depot, the signs for the aisles, letting you know where to get the paint or maybe to uh, find that electrical switch, they're in English and they're in Spanish. Why? When we talk about forms and how they're printed, government forms are in English and they're in Spanish. Why, why isn't uh, there, there a form in Portuguese? The answer is that there is a theory, there is a belief of this soft bigotry that these people who speak Spanish can't do it. That bigotry comes from the political left. It exists with them totally and entirely. They can't do it. Remember, you don't need an ID to vote while needing an ID. That's racist. If you were to say to me, a black man is incapable of getting an ID in order to vote, I'm going to ask you not to say that to me. I'm going to ask you to say that to a black man and just allow me to sit there with a bourbon in one hand and a big bushel of Garrett's popcorn in the other because I want to see what happens next. Put that on pay-per-view. What, are you kidding? What a disgrace. It's an insane thing to say. Yet it gets said all the time. How do I know it? Because Joe Biden just said it. The districts know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the, at the Walgreens or at, at, at the particular store. They're too dumb to do it. That's, that's more than I can take. And if you ask me why I am not on the political left, that's one of the many, many reasons. But that wasn't the totality of, of what got said. Absolutely not the totality of what it was that was said. No, there was more. There was, well, this about COVID vaccine. By the end of July of this year, we have, we came into office, there was only a 50 million uh, doses that are available. We have now, by the end of July, we'll have over 600 million doses, enough to vaccinate every single American. I love that. I love that we're going to have enough doses to vaccinate every single American. I think we should be thrilled and overjoyed uh, uh, about that. Glad that it's not being politicized. And uh, the biggest thing, though, as you remember, when you and I, I shouldn't say it that way, as you remember, but when you and I talked last, we talked about it's one thing that the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccinator. How do you get the vaccine into someone's arm? So you need the paraffin, you need the needle, you need the. First of all, he was going to say you need the paraphernalia, and that just makes me laugh out loud. Secondly, of course, we had the vaccine. Of course, we had the vaccine. Why are you why are you lying about this? It doesn't help us. It doesn't help anybody.
But then he moved on to let you know that, don't worry, his stimulus package is going to create jobs, jobs, jobs. We can come back, we can come roaring back. It's estimated that if we, by most economists, including Wall Street firms, as well as, as, as uh, you know, uh, think tanks, of uh, political think tanks, left, right, and center, it is estimated that if you, we pass this bill alone, we'll create 7 million jobs this year. How many will you lose? We know for a fact that if we do a $15 an hour minimum wage, yeah, some people are going to make some more money. But over a million people are going to lose their jobs. And it won't be a million people who make more money. So it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. So it doesn't matter if you say 7 million jobs, if we lose 10 million jobs. That's, that's a nonsense level of statement. I mean, just pure, raw, unadulterated nonsense. Now, Jen Psaki, she's going to let you know that, hey, no matter what happens with COVID, if you want to open schools, uh, we need checks. But they believe that teachers should be prioritized. And on the impact, particularly women you just mentioned, mm-hmm. also the idea of getting to that 7 million number that the president talked about yesterday, that if you pass the plan, you can get all the estimates that say you can get 7 million jobs back this year. Yeah. How, can you do that without getting back to five days of school? How do women go back to work without having their kids full-time in school? Well, I will say one of the reasons that the president has put $130 billion of funding in his American Rescue Plan is because he knows that schools across the country need funding to satisfy some of the mitigation steps that are recommended in the CDC guidelines. Uh, I talked with him about this this morning and his concern, as you have raised, that uh, this is deeply impacting women. We're seeing that statistically with every week and every month of jobs numbers. We've seen it anecdotally. And uh, his concern is about the impact impact, of course, on working women today, but also on how it will, uh, it will bring us back uh, in the years ahead. Because- it's good to know that we're making the conversation solely one about um, uh, sexism and not about, well, kids getting an education. It's madness. It really and truly is madness that their, their focus is so little on, well, things that should have focus, (laughs) right? I'm not saying working moms have it tough. I'm saying they have it absolutely tough. But opening schools is not dependent on more funding. It's dependent on opening the schools and telling the teachers to get back to work. Now, in some places, the teachers have no problem with this. In some places, the unions are in charge. Not, Not the kid, not the parent, the union. Those unions need to be broken in two. Of course, we take note that Rush Limbaugh has passed away today at the age of 70. President Trump spoke about him. I'll share that with you next. I'm Tony Katz. Just a little while ago, President Trump called in to Fox News to talk about the death of Rush Limbaugh. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Rush Limbaugh. It was announced today, passing away at the age of 70. It was lung cancer. 
and that battle that went on publicly for more than a year. The president, in his own words, speaking to Fox News. Uh, I'm I'm curious to know if he gave you a note or two or if he had some advice for you at, at any point along the way. So he was, again, it was very early because, you know, that famous escalator ride was the very beginning. And he was one of the yes. people that said we were going to win. He thought we were going to win. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily the reason he was so, you know, gracious so early. But, but he thought we were going to win. Uh, he just had an incredible instinct for politics. And he had an incredible instinct for life. I mean, he, he was just, so I just, you know, I walked into a room and there's a lot of people in the room and they're all very sad to see people that you wouldn't even think about, like with respect to Rush, but they're very sad to see that Rush passed away. He's really, he is a legend. He really is. There aren't too many legends around, but he was, uh, he is a legend. And to those people that listen to him every day, like it was like a religious experience for a lot of people. I mean, his fans, uh, they, they just wouldn't miss him. A very, very unique person. It is one o'clock in Palm Beach, Florida, where the news of Rush Limbaugh is now starting to spread across the country and around the world. Rush Limbaugh, the iconic radio, conservative radio host, dead at the age of 70, succumbing to lung cancer after a 12 and a half month battle. By telephone, former President Trump continues with us today. And sir, thank you again for your time. I, I was trying to jump in there a moment ago. I apologize for that, Harris. What did Rush Limbaugh oh, no tell worries. you after the election of November 3rd? What were those conversations like? Well, Rush thought we won, and so do I, by the way. I, th- I think we won by substantially, uh, and uh, Rush thought we won, and uh, he thought it was over at 10 o'clock, 10.30, it was over. And a lot of other people feel that way too, but Rush felt that way strongly, and uh, many people do, many professionals do. And uh, I don't think that could have happened to a Democrat. You would have had uh, you would have had riots going all over the place if that happened to a Democrat. We don't have the same support in the at certain levels of the Republican system, but we have great people as Republicans. But Rush felt we won, and he was quite angry about it. Quite yeah. angry. Over the next two months, yeah. how much contact did you have about that? Well, quite a bit, but he was really sick. You know, uh, Rush. His, his ambition, if you go back to, you know, after he had heard the diagnosis, because it was a very, very, you know, very bad thing he had. It's not something like, oh, gee, you know, you'll be better in two weeks. And uh, so he got the word and it was uh, terminal, absolutely terminal. And his ambition, and it was quite a bit away, but his ambition was to hold out until after the election. And he worked so hard, and he missed very, very few shows. I mean, he'd go up to wherever he was going, which was quite a ways away, and he'd get back to his studio and do a show. He worked so hard to get through the election, and uh, he was just—he was just great. He made it. We are graciously joined by President Number Forty Five, Donald J. Trump, uh, remembering Rush Limbaugh. And, you know, one of the things you said earlier really made an impression on me in terms of how you became friends, how you came to know each other, and that he knew almost instantly that you were the one he wanted to support. 
You know, I, I'm curious, Mr. President, what did you talk about with Rush Limbaugh if you had the opportunity uh, before he was too ill to do so about what might be next for you? He seemed, and I know because I've, I've talked with him, he is a man of vision, but he also likes yeah. the art of what is coming next that you can't predict. True. But did you talk True. about that? Yeah, he was truly a man of the future. He loved this country so much. He loved the people of this country so much. He was so happy with what we did. We rebuilt the military. You know, all things that he that he liked. We cut taxes, that we cut regulations, which maybe is even more important than the tax cuts, frankly. That's why we built that foundation that uh, can propel us if it's not messed up. But Rush was just somebody that he loved talking about the country and the future. He was very much a future person. And he was very proud of the country. He was very disappointed by certain things that happened in the country and that, you know, just have been happening in the country. Very, very disappointed. But uh, he thinks that it'll all work out. It'll all work out very well. He was just something special. And he would express it very well in the show. I mean, he was he was very open. I think that's why your show did so well. He was very open to his uh, listeners, to his fans of which there were record mm -hmm. numbers. Did he say to you what, what role he would like to see you play next? Well, we didn't uh, talk too much about that. I didn't want to talk about that too much either uh, because I was, I was uh, disappointed by uh, voter tabulation. I think it's disgraceful what happened. We were like a third world country on election night with the closing down of the centers and all of the things that happened late in the evening. And he was furious at it. And many people are furious. You don't know how angry this country is. And people were furious, but he was, uh, he was somebody at the same time, uh, you know, he, he, he thinks about the past, but he projects out to the future. That was Rush. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he wants to learn from the past and get things fixed, but uh, he was, uh, he was somebody that really felt that was a very important victory for us. So we should have, we should have had it, uh, that we did have it. But he was somebody that... Uh, that was part of his conversation. President Trump on Rush Limbaugh, who has passed away at the age of 70. There are going to be all sorts of testimonials just absolutely pouring in from all quarters. And then, of course, there will be the hate the absolute ridiculous i won't share with you what's trending on social media i will share with you that uh, a, a longtime friend i haven't spoken to in a good while uh reached out to me uh, hey uh i'm i'm with this uh online outfit that many people would have heard of would love to have you write a piece about rush so more left-leaning outfit but we know each other she reached out and i said yes so i'll share that with you when it's done we'll see if they even print it we've got more to get to rush limbaugh dead at the age of 70 this is tony katz today